Hello, welcome to episode 12 of Defense Against the Dark Arts. I'm Paul Mill, and this episode is on priming. So what is the definition of priming? Priming is a phenomenon whereby exposure to one stimulus influences a response to a subsequent stimulus without conscious guidance or intention. So what does that mean? That means if somebody will prime you to respond without you even thinking about it, uh, to, to respond a certain way. Like a, a famous one is the, uh, the duck, the duck and uh, rabbit illusion. If you see the duck and the rabbit, you know, it could look like a duck or it could look like a rabbit. So if they say count the ducks and they show you that picture, you will automatically think of them as ducks and you won't see rabbits. You'll see ducks. You are primed to see the ducks. And it's the same. So they could easily have said, count the rabbits. And now you'll see the rabbits count, you know, so your brain, that's an automatic, uh, unconscious uh, thing that you will just do. Your brain will see it because you are primed to see it and you're primed because somebody else primed you to see it that way. So is there potential for manipulation here? <laughs> Absolutely. Priming is the, I think one of the cores to uh, manipulation. So a priming stimuli can be perceptual, associative, repetitive, positive, negative, affective as an emotional with an a affective semantic or or conceptual ah is that a nice cup of hot cocoa so what's the difference between perceptual and conceptual well perception is uh your from your senses you perceive from your senses sight smell touch taste you know whatever so that is you perceive from your senses conceptual is your brain conceiving things it's you thinking of things that has nothing to do with your senses so you can think up something or you can conceive of an idea that has nothing to do with your senses you can lay there in bed and your senses are relatively turned off because you're not really seeing or you know thinking or or hearing so that's you know conceptual or your your brain conceives things so that's the difference between perceptual and conceptual and so going back to priming, there are two parts to priming. There is uh, the, the first part, which is the prime. Somebody's priming you for, for a, a second event. And then the second event uh, can be called, or in some places it's called the probe. It's the second event or the second stimulus. It's the second half of the priming. The probe is the, uh, the seeing of the actual picture. Hold on, I got to adjust my... Okay, I think that's good enough. All right, we lost some aperture control. So what was I talking about? Yeah, so the, there's two parts of priming. There's the, the second event, which can be called the probe, and the first part that's called the priming. So a manipulator may prime you in hopes that you will respond to the way they want you to when, when the probe or the second event happens. But not all priming is negative. You, uh, some priming can be used for good, and some priming can be used for not good. Okay, so there's there's positive priming. And what, what is positive priming? Positive priming uh, is the a prime that makes you uh, respond quicker to an event. When something happens, it increases your performance uh, speed-wise. So an example of this would be like if you if you go to Nice. I had a friend who went to Nice. He... Uh, He's a chef, and he cooked at a, the, the, the film festival they have there. And uh, 
And he was warned. He was primed that when you get off the bus, uh, a lot of times a pretty girl will sh- will show up, you know, maybe with her boobs hanging out or whatever, or, or dressed seductively, and she will uh, be all friendly and she will be talking about, you know, some thing that she's, you know, some whatever she needs money for some charity or some cause or some, you know, pandemic. <laughs> I don't know. For some for some reason, she needs money. And she she will ask you for it, and so the the this is the first half of the the grift. So since you just got off the bus, and this is where they attack you, you set your luggage down, you reach in your pocket to get money for the pretty girl who's asking you for money, and her thug boyfriends or, or goons behind the scenes will walk up behind you without you knowing and try to steal your luggage since you've let go of it and you're occupied looking at this girl. So they might take your luggage without you even knowing that they took your luggage, right? Because it's a crowd. And then when you look down, you give her the money and you look down and she's not going to tell you. So the, by the time you give her the money, you look down, your bags are gone. You're like, what happened to my bags? And then she's gone, right? So that is, uh, this, this is an example of priming. So now if you go to Nice, so I just primed you by telling you that story. So now if you ever go to Nice and you go to the film festival and you get off the bus and some pretty girl approaches you and starts chatting you up about some, you know, uh, Thing that she needs money for some you know a, a charity or, or whatever some cause you you will respond quicker uh you will be your performance will be increased by not putting down your baggage and your performance of seeing the scam will be will be accelerated so you will not put your bags down you will not give her money right so you you'll respond differently you will think quicker about the potential of this being a scam as opposed to not being primed where it's easier for you to be manipulated so that's a positive priming because you're 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 responding quicker to the trigger that happens later on the stimulus that happens later on. But with all things, um, priming is a two-sided sword, and, uh, and and manipulators can use priming to get you to think about something the way they want, and it may it may not be a right way; it might be the wrong way. So it might be a way that's detrimental to you, as opposed to the story, the priming that it gave you, where it's a positive. You know what I mean? It's positive as in beneficial to you, not just positive as a positive priming, which is faster. An example of priming that was sort of given, but the second half never happened. The, the second stimuli never really occurred was, if you think about the election that just happened in the United States, in uh, leading up from, from 2016, if you recall, 2016 leading up to about 2019, there were a lot of op-eds and a lot of stories on all the major news networks and all the you know the newspapers about how vulnerable elections were to uh, voter fraud, especially you know uh, mail-in voting and, and Obama himself even said you know it's dangerous mail-in voting is very dangerous blah 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 right so everybody the public was being prepared for voter fraud saying how dangerous it is until around 2019 then all these stories suddenly stopped suddenly for some reason. They, 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 they dropped the whole elections are vulnerable uh, narrative and some laws were passed, in fact, to make the elections less you know, safe, right? They actually, you know, and this is before, before COVID. So they, they passed the, they, they wrote the laws, they passed the laws, the bills, they passed the laws and they made it legal for mail-in voting and those other things. And all this happened before COVID even occurred. 2019, after the, uh, the election, 
you know, all the, the Trump people were screaming about voter fraud and, and citing the actual stories that were written by the, the journalists who are now saying that if anybody talks about voter fraud, they're conspiracy theorists. When these very same people were preparing the people, they were priming the public to, uh, you know, to, to scream about voter fraud if their guy lost. And then all of a sudden it changed. So it was it was like around 2019. It did all the narratives, all the op-eds, all the stuff about voter fraud stopped. And then the laws changed. And then after the election, they were like, oh, anybody who talks about uh, election uh, fraud or election vulnerabilities are conspiracy theorists. So I don't, you could read into that what you want, but these this, these timelines are accurate. So I think what happened was the, the, the machine uh, was priming the public in case their man lost, that they could scream and yell about how vulnerable the elections were. And when their guy won, then Trump's people started screaming and yelling about election fraud. And it seems like, well, why would they change the laws and why would they all of a sudden stop talking about election fraud in 2019? You know, this, you know, you can connect the dots yourself. So. Some people will say, well, so what? It's the good guy that won, if you think he's the good guy. I don't think there is any good guys in politics. I think most of the people in politics are bad guys. So the fact either they're really corrupt or less corrupt, but, I mean, if your guy's corrupt, that's that's not a good thing because <laughs> they're not out looking for your benefit. But anyways, yeah, so either people are either not paying attention to this anymore, they have short memories, are distracted by life, just don't want to believe it or they do believe it and they just don't care because it was their guy that won. And if our team is manipulating people to this extent, we are not the good guys. So negative priming. Okay. So the, uh, the negative priming is uh, when your brain crashes for a moment when you're exposed to a second stimuli. So the idea is they, they, they want you to ignore, uh, a word or ignore something. They're trying to condition you to ignore that thing. And then when you look for that thing, you're supposed to delay. Like for example, I did a test a couple times and it didn't work. I got faster every time and you're supposed to be slower. That's the whole point of negative priming. It's supposed to slow you down for the second part of the test. And it was time to the millisecond or whatever. And I was faster. So for example, there's, there's different ways they could, they could do it with colors. You could say the word, red red and it's spelled you know red but it's in the color yellow right and, and you they want you to just notice the color and then later on when they eat check for the word you know it'll you'll hesitate because you're you know it'll start here's another example um they'll they'll say look for uh the words in bold and say the word out loud that's bold you know and not italicized and so the word uh bold will be italicized and the word italicized uh, italics will be bold. So it's backwards. So they're, they're trying to get you to get confused, but it's, I mean, if you're just focusing on, it's, it's easy to, to not fall for these things. Like, I mean, you just, you just, when you look for bold, you just look at the bold words and you ignore the rest of the words. And then when you look for the, you know, so even if the word is italics and it's bold, I don't care. <laughs> So for whatever reason, maybe my brain's wired differently or something, but negative priming didn't seem to work on me. I did the tests and it just didn't work. So for that reason, I'm going to say negative priming is not a thing. It's just more uh, bogus uh, social science crap that uh, maybe the, maybe the tests weren't, uh, I did a couple of times. I mean, they both <laughs> got faster and faster every time. So I don't know, whatever. 
Um, so more junk pseudoscience from the uh, sh- social sciences. So I don't think negative priming is valid, but anyway. So here's so there's priming, perceptions, and conception. So we talked about what's the difference between perception and conception. Perception is what you're aware of based on your senses, and conception is the your their mind's ability to form something uh, to develop an understanding. You know, we use concepts to to understand things. You know, conception concept, right? So perception is the interpretation of information from your senses, from the outside world, whereas you conception is things from you know the your internal self outwards. I guess I don't know. Some dirty hippies might use you know the inner eye kind of concept here, but and then of course there's the inception, like the movie Inception. Uh, inception is the beginning of something. It could be a plan. It could be an idea. It could be a process. Could be your life. You know the inception of this. Inception is just simply the beginning of something. Uh, but that's a, we're digressing again, perceptions and conceptions can be primed. So apparently priming can improve your performance, but decreases neural processing. I think what they mean by that is that uh, an analogy would be if, if somebody shows you how to do something, uh, you are the, the speed of which you do that is faster when you come across it. So your performance is increased as in speed, but you didn't have to figure that out. You just, somebody told you when this happens, do this. So you automatically do it. So your performance in terms of speed is faster, but you didn't have to figure it out. So your, your neural processing didn't work. You didn't have to use it. So a person who wasn't primed, who has to figure out something, they might be quicker as time goes on because they're always trying to figure out things and their, their brains, their neural processors working more. So they might be quicker later on unprimed to see things. Whereas a primed person might be more dependent on the priming. You see what I'm saying? It's like a teacher teaching you, leading you, mother handing you through something, showing you how to do all the math. And then you just regurgitate it as opposed to you figuring out how to do it. And if you have to figure out how to do it, that's a whole different part of your, your brain, your cognition. So your neural processing is dampened by somebody actually showing you how to do it. So sometimes it's beneficial for you to try to figure out how to do this. So the, the, the better teacher or the better parent will allow their kids to struggle until they figure out how to do it because now that struggling is forcing them to develop their, their, their problem-solving skills. This is not to say that we shouldn't prime people for, you know, or for things that are dangerous that we know about. And, you know, we should warn people, hey, watch out for this, right? And when, if you see this, watch out for that. Now, that's, you know, that's a pretty spooky thing, right? Whatever. you might This might cause injury or something, right? It just means that... Uh, we should also foster people trying to solve problems on their own instead of giving them the answer all the time. You're not doing them any benefits. They need to figure out, you know, all of us, we all need to try to figure out things on our own. But uh, that's sort of the purpose of this, this podcast. This A lot of people obviously haven't been figuring out or they don't have time to figure out how these people are manipulating us. So I'm just giving you a bit of an edge to raise the bar so that we can all problem solve from a higher level so we are not as easily manipulated and then we could see watch the techniques of what they're doing which force the manipulators to up their game a little bit so we should be aware of priming we should be aware of it and watch when someone is trying to use it on us you know without our knowledge or without our consent because priming is absolutely manipulation so again i'm digressing Going back to perceptual and conceptual priming, an example of perceptual priming would be 
uh, how we know to spell some words. You know, we've been primed in spelling. We all know how to spell words. And uh, when you proofread things, you read really fast, your brain will correct the errors. So you may not catch the double words or the misspelled words or the words out of place uh, because your brain is going, it was primed to know how that's supposed to fit. So it just automatically corrects it. So you miss the errors, which is, you know, uh, well, it is what it is. So our, our brains perceive the way, uh, perceive things. Our brains perceive things the way we've been primed to think about how they're supposed to be or how we normally see them. It's actually a skill to be able to proofread and to catch those mistakes. Like my last name is spelled M-I-I-L. And throughout my life, the majority of people who see that name automatically correct it to M-I-L-L. They don't, I mean, except for in Hawaii. When we're in Hawaii, they always spell it right. Mr. Meal. <laughs> they always... Not to say we've been in Hawaii a lot, but I mean, just when we were there, they, they all knew how to spell my name. They, they spelled it correctly. Then there's no hesitation because they're used to the double vowels. But everywhere else we go, oh, it's meal? You mean like honey in French? M-I-E-L? M-I-E-L-E? No, man. M-I-I-L. It's so hard for people because it's not uh, what they're expecting. But, th- but this spelling priming... Uh, perceptual priming for proofreading. While it's harder for us to proofread, it's a valuable tool for speed reading. Uh, in college, I took a course, a speed reading course. And for anyone who hasn't taken uh, a speed reading course, it's hard to believe how fast your mind can perceive information and, and digest it. As speed reading is like typing. For those who don't know how to typing, you're not going to know what I'm talking about. But for those who know how to type, you, your fingers move so fast that if you start thinking about it, you'll slow down. But if you don't think about it, your fingers start, you know, 35, 65 words a minute, 100 words a minute. I can only do about 65 words a minute, but, the, the, you know, the people type way faster than that. And it's, you're not thinking about it. It's amazing that your body can do that. And speed reading is very similar to that. Same with uh, playing an instrument. If you do scales, like there's no way you're thinking individually pluck the string on a guitar, say, for example, pluck this string, put this finger there and this fret, this finger there. Like you are when you're first learning how to play the guitar, but after a seasoned musician, you watch them, they're having conversations, talking to other people and they'll be doing up, oh, here's a C major, you know, whatever. And, and, and they're not thinking about it. They're literally not thinking about it. The part of your brain is the, the perceptual part. It's just automatic. Your muscle memory is, is doing all that. And speed reading is like that. And half the challenge for speed reading is to convince people that they can actually read information and, and absorb it that fast. It's, it's, that's half the problem, you know, but, uh, I'll give you maybe a brief overview of the speed reading program here, uh, for anybody who's interested. Um, they, they start off. The first thing they do is they tell you to turn off your internal dialogue. Don't Try to not say the word in your mind. And of course, you see some people who actually move their lips when they're reading. Well, absolutely don't do that. You know, you don't move your lips when you're reading and you try you try not to hear the words in your head as you read them. You physically look at the words and you don't look at one word. You try to look at a block of words. So you start off maybe with one word. Then you look at, you try to look at two words at a time. Then you try to look at three words at a time. Then you try to look at, uh, a line, two lines at a time. 
like maybe this half of a, like a newspaper block, you know, they have the columns. So you might look at half the column, but two lines down. So you're looking at two lines or three lines. And then you look at the right half of the column, three lines down. And then the left half of the column. And you're thinking, well, these words aren't in order. Well, yeah, exactly. And and once they start, once you start, and it's all about pa or pace, beep, they have a, pa, uh, um, a tone that, that beeps, beep, beep beep and every time you hear the beep you're supposed to glance at this glance at that glance at this glance at that and then they they give you a, a test after you've read all the the material and to see if you comprehend it you know who was joe what did joe do you know what who was this person what did this person do and you answer all the questions and then once you 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 get comprehension of like whatever 75 percent they'll move you on to the next phase which is bigger and bigger blocks so they slowly phase you work you into seeing bigger and bigger blocks and it got to the point where they gave me a, it was a physical book, even though it was computers and everything there, they, they made us use physical books. And so you'd look at the book and you had the headphones on and there's computer screens around you and stuff. But so you'd look at this book and it was half. So you break up a novel into say quarters. So top left quarter, top right quarter, bottom left, bottom right. Next page, top left, top right, bottom left, bottom right. Turn the page, top left, top right. And, and, and then beep, 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 beep beep and you're just glancing at the page and you're thinking there's no way I'm, but you just follow just follow through you're thinking there's no way i'm understanding what the hell this stuff is so you just keep doing it and you, you zone out and look at the words and try to see as much of the words as you can you try to your field of view try to broaden your field of view as much as you can each glance beep 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 and at the end of the the, the test they give you, they ask you questions and you're like, well, yeah, okay. I know this person did that. This person did that. And it's amazing. You start realizing, I do understand what happened to that story, but it's, it's a different kind of thing. And, uh, and an interesting part was after one of the sections, I think it was, it was half pages. So I'd look at the top half, bottom half, top half, bottom half. That's as far as I got. There's some people could do full pages, but I could, the fact, the most I could do was, Top half, bottom half, top half of a novel size, you know, a column. Top half, bottom half, top half, bottom half. Turn the page. Top half, bottom half, top, like that. Anyway, so they, they had us doing that, and then they made us go back. And I think this is why they made us use a, a hard copy book. Because after we did that and we passed the test or whatever, they said, okay, now go back to the pages that you read and read them word, one word at a time. So sure enough, you turned back, and we all looked, and all the words were scrambled. They were backwards. They were all over the place. They, they, it made no sense. The periods were just randomly thrown in. It was just chaos. The words were just like scrambled. And you try to read it, you're like, there's no way anybody could understand this. But when you read it, they, they throw those paragraphs in there amongst all the other paragraphs. And since you're just glancing, right, your brain re-scrambles all that because of your, your, your perceptions of what you think it's supposed to be. So I think there's, you know, there's the two extremes. There's proofreaders who notice every little thing. And then there are speed readers who train themselves to not notice anything, you know, in terms of punctuation and grammar, spelling, it's just, blah. and you end up, you could, you could read what, like it's incredible how fast you could read. Like I was, I was blown away. I was, I was blown away by how fast I could read. Cause I just think I'm an idiot. I'm not smarter than anybody else. And how could I read that fast? It was, it was incredible. So that's sort of my digression from, from progression, progression from, uh, perception. So, our uh, our minds are more powerful at perceiving things than we would believe. So it, you think about manipulators. So it's very dangerous when, when a manipulator tweaks your perceptions with priming, you know, it's hard for us to perceive things 
uh, wrong, but it's easy for us. It's hard for us to, to believe. It's hard for us to believe we perceive things that are wrong, but it's easy to prime someone to perceive something wrong. So there, there's some serious danger there. Now for conceptual priming. Conceptual priming is about concepts, meanings. So it relies on the manipulator activating uh, meanings in the target's mind. And this is difficult because, you know, different things have different meanings to different people in different cultures and even in different individuals in that culture will have assert different meanings to different words and different ideas and concepts because not everybody's the same. Everybody's different. So there are a lot of assumptions for the manipulators take on how uh, targets associate meanings to different words and events, ideologies, values. And so this is not a very, um, what's the word? It's not a very good method. Uh, they, they could try it, but it only works, you know, uh, they're using stereotypes, right? So they say all this group believes this and all group, all this group will assert this meaning to this word, right? So now it's, it's literally stereotypical uh, thinking, but I mean, there's some truth to some stereotypes, right? So s there will be a chunk of that population that does actually uh, assert those values and those meanings because that's where that stereotype came from, you know? So let me read the definition of uh, conceptual priming. A technique and process applied that engages people in a task or exposes them to stimuli. The prime consists of meanings, for example, words that activate associated memories, schema, stereotype, attitudes. This process may then influence people's performance on a following subsequent task. Uh, there was a study um, that targets were primed with prestige brands, you know, expensive crap. And other targets in, the, in a group were primed with thrifty, you know, cheap crap brands. And then they gave them tests afterwards to see, you know, un unrelated tasks later on. Uh, and the, the primed uh, the, the group that was primed with prestige brands gave a higher preference rating to prestige options than the lowly thrifty people, right? So these this is the random cross-section of people, but they primed them with this Thurston Howell prestige and they, they would respond appropriately. So they were, you know, manipulators delight, right? So this is, this is pretty spooky how you can be, um, primed to think conceptually about certain things like, Ooh, you know, we're going to prime you to be all hoity toity and snotty, or we can prime you to be all thrifty and, you know, uh, you know, Walmart ish. So there are, so that's conceptual priming. There are other types of priming. There's exposure effect, um, where repeated exposure to something increases the probability of the target liking it. There's affective priming, which is, you know, A, as in terms of emotional, you know, affect meaning emotional. Uh, affective priming is a subliminal exposure to a stimuli that evokes either a positive or a negative emotion, depending on the manipulator's choice. 
Then there's perception behavior link. Perception behavior link is just mimicry. M- mimicry. Copying cat? <laughs> I don't know about I'm talking. So the target, like a monkey, will mimic what they perceive without being consciously aware of it. And we do this all the time in conversations. If you, not with everybody all the time, but uh, you'll see people having conversations. They might sit, they might mirror each other. Or they might start, you know, gesturing the same way or leaning back the same or crossing the legs the same. So we, we're like monkeys. We mimic what other people do. But this is this can be used to uh, using perception behavior link to, uh, to uh, get people to mimic what you're doing. You think about it in terms of mobs. I think this is used heavily in mobs. You know, burn the witch. Everybody sees the crowd wanting to burn the witch. And then you're like, okay, I'm a, you know, I'll burn the witch. <laughs> so perception behavior link is another form of priming. And uh, there's some interesting articles. If anybody's interested to read more on this, there's the uh, the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, a 1999 article called The Chameleon Effect, The Perception Behavior Link and Social Interaction by Chartrand and Barg. Uh, there's another article in uh, the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology from 1993 called Effect, Cognition, and Awareness. Effective priming with optimal and suboptimal stimulus exposures by Murphy and Zajonk. And uh, in the current opinion in psychology from 2016, there's priming in economics by Cohn and Marischal. So those would be good reading if you want further information about these techniques of priming. It It is so, I mean, I could do probably another 20 videos on priming, but so what other, what other kinds of priming are there? There's uh, direct priming, which is repetition priming. It's a form of positive priming, and it's known in some circles as practice. Right? So you could self-prime by rehearsing, doing something over and over again, or somebody else can prime you by exposing to you some, something to you over and over and over again. right? And that sort of is in line with the, the other one earlier on where, you know, you the exposure, repeated exposure uh, might tend some targets to begin to like something when they hear it more and more. It's like a guitar song. Like if you hear a little riff and you hear it over and over and over again, you might actually begin to hate it or it might become an earworm and you might like it. Um, so then the semantic priming, right? We already started, talked about that. It's the, uh, or did we? Semantic priming is the, uh, the semantics is the study of meanings, which, you know, cognitive and semantic are, are related Semantics is used uh, a lot in arguments, especially when uh, this new trend of redefinition of, of redefining words, you know, is, is occurring. The, the manipulator will argue some new definition of a word which is intended to manipulate the target to change the way they think about the old or the real definition of the word. And if the target catches that and it's like, whoa, what do you mean? The definition of that word actually means this. And then the, the, the manipulator at that time will pull what's called a Mott and Bailey uh, which is a Martin Bailey uh, defense, a fallacy, where they'll just backtrack and say, well, I wasn't actually arguing this point. I was only arguing this point, which is, you know, this this definition, which actually means that. So I wasn't really arguing what you think I was arguing, right? So this is, there's so many layers that they, the seasoned and practiced manipulator will use. And uh, you see it all the time on social media. But uh, semantic priming is is different than semantic arguing, arguing over semantics. Semantic priming is priming the target with words that have a shared or similar meaning, 
uh, to one that they want you to think about. It's sort of like innuendo or, you know, double entendre, you know, or to be ambiguous, you know, uh, you know, an innuendo is a hint. They're hinting at something where a double entendre is intentionally a phrase that intentionally has two meanings where, you know, if they're not being intentional, you know, they're being ambiguous. Ambiguous is, you know, just a, a phrase or something that could be interpreted with more than one meaning. It's, we don't know if they intentionally did it, made it ambiguous, but if they, if, you know, sometimes when people intentionally have double meanings, that's called a double entendre. But if they're just saying things that you're not sure how they mean it, it could be both ways. That's, you know, ambiguous, right? And, and if, and if somebody's hinting at something, possibly, you know, you see in these mafia movies all the time, innuendo, right? So what do they mean by that? Does that mean they're going to kill me or what? You know what I mean? So, or does that just mean they're going to go get some roses? I don't know. <laughs> right? So that's, that's sort of innuendo, but it's, they're all sort of related, right? So uh, in semantic priming, the, the meaning is more important than the word, you know, where word repetition, uh, uh, priming, where word repetition priming can last months. The effects of that can last months. Semantic priming usually only lasts a second or two or, or less <laughs> and is therefore used to manipulate how the target will perceive something coming very soon, like the, the rest of the sentence, right? So I don't know if there's, if there's much value. There probably is. I mean, the fact that they have names for it and they write about it, there's obviously some way of using semantic priming for manipulation. Um, well, obviously, innuendos and stuff. Those those last longer than just a second, but uh, maybe not. Maybe it's the confusion, the, the 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 dissonance of not sureing. You're not sure what they mean either way. But it's the same. With all reading is like that, right? So, like uh, like Mel, uh, Marshall McLuhan said, when you're reading, you're not really sure about the meaning of the word until you see the whole the whole paragraph, and then you see it in context. So, context is key. So a manipulator may keep saying words that have a similar meaning, but not say the word they want you to, to discover. For example, they could say transportation, highway, gas, road trip, insurance, license, you know, and, and try to get you to come up with the concept of the word car, right? So they never said car. You said car. They didn't come up with car. You came up with car, even though they said everything, you know, the meaning of car, they said all these other words around it, right? So there's, 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 a, that's a possible way, I guess. Uh, in some forms uh, of manipulation, it's important for the target to think they came up with the answer on their own. You know, that's critical. So if you want, if you're trying to brainwash somebody, you want them to think that they came up with the idea. You didn't give it to them, right? So then they think, well, they didn't manipulate me. I came up with that idea. I came up with the idea myself. I'm a genius. Look at the idea I came up with. I came up with the word car. So I might be conflating a little bit associative priming, context priming with semantic priming. But uh, I think uh, at this level, we're starting to play inside baseball <laughs> and probably beyond the scope of the podcast. But we'll go over associative priming, I guess. Uh, associative priming is priming by repeated pairing of two unrelated concepts or stimuli. Uh, it's similar to manipulation by association. So it's associative priming. You're associating two different things. A manipulator may, may prime the target by associating a person, which is one thing, with hate, which is another thing, over and over and over again. That's the associative part. It's repetition and priming of two different things together to get the person to sort of mix, the, merge those two things together. So when they think of that person, they'll think of hate, 
right? Or, or whatever. It could be anything, but I'm thinking in politics, this is, you know, a, a common or a powerful tool. I don't know if it's common. I shouldn't say that, but it's a powerful tool that one might use, you know, propaganda against a popular leader by the opposition. If they want to discredit that leader, they can keep associating using associative priming to the mindless masses. This person with hate, this person, this person with hate, right? And they would only do that if the leader was popular. Otherwise, they would they could just expose the the person for what they were actually doing, instead of trying to associate them with emotional content, which is you know when somebody's doing that, they're obviously manipulating you, because if the person actually was that bad, all they need to do is say, look, this person is doing this. Look what they're doing. I don't need to tell you to hate the person. I don't need to associate this person with hate. I don't need to prime you. I don't need to try to manipulate you into hating this person by associating them with hate. I can just show you what they're actually doing. And if they're not actually doing something, then they have to resort to these other techniques, which are manipulation. So there's context priming. Uh, Context priming is the meaning. Did we talk about context priming already? I'm not sure. So it's the meaning of something where uh, the certain context is stressed. No, I don't think we did talk about this. So context priming is all about, obviously, the context in which something is. So there, there's been studies. There's studies where uh, the standards people use to make political evaluations shift in response to changes and how the media contextualizes those those things, right? So it, it you know it's accepted that the the public's evaluations of political issues are affected by the context in which the media covers those issues. This is not for debate. This is known fact, or it's an agreed. Everybody knows this, right? So the effects are moderated by the target's political knowledge. So if the target knows, you know, about politics and the the news tries to cover it in a certain context. It's not effectual against people who have a certain level of political knowledge because they know the news is full of shit. When they see it, well, they, I know this is what happened. Yet I heard that I heard the entire speech that person said, and the way they're they're giving it out of context, and that's the, one of the oldest things. You know, every, the the press would always had a reputation of taking things out of context. Right? This is nothing new. This is old. Right? What do they call it? Yellow journalism? I think I'm not sure, but uh, I can't remember. I think it was yellow journal. Anyway, so. They take things out of context, right? So that's a powerful way of priming. So the uh, the effects of 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 uh, context priming are mar- moderated by the target's political knowledge, and uh, it changes case to case, right? But context is key, and, it, and the individual, if they're just you know not really paying attention, they are vulnerable to being manipulated by the the news uh, using contextual priming. The priming effects of, you know, are, are contingent on the priming effects are contingent on the political context of the priming situation. Now, I, I'm trying to be as general as possible here, but the, you know, it also it comes into message intensity. How intense are they driving this message? And what's the easy, the easiness of understanding the issue? If it's a complex issue, you know, there's a lot of things they could do to take it out of context. Politicization, politicization of the issue. Assessments of the government's responsibility and timing of this this whole evaluation. These things are all factors that can be used to manipulate the the public from the perspective of the media when they're using things in context, or I should say, out of context. So context priming is worthy of more research. If you're out there, write down the word context priming and uh, try to read up on it. There's, there's a few books out there on it. So so there's there's also kindness priming. 
Now you think, ooh, this sounds nice. Somebody's going to prime me with kindness. This sounds pleasant. It's manipulation. Kindness priming is when the target is exposed to an act of kindness, which then causes the target to have a lower threshold of activation when, when, when you encounter a positive stimuli afterwards. So they, they will prime you with something positive, and then you will be more likely to respond, to activate, to do, to respond positively to a positive stimuli after that. It also causes a temporary resistance to negative stimuli in addition to the increased activation of positive associative networks. So what does this mean? Kindness priming primes the target to notice positive features of the world easier. So you're like, oh, this is a nice guy. Look what they did. They're nice. Everything's nice and beautiful. Isn't that nice? Right? And you don't notice the negative things as easily. So if you were not primed with kindness priming, you wouldn't be as apt to respond, to be activated by a positive stimuli to, you know, help them do something if they're trying to manipulate you. So you, you, you wouldn't be as quick to respond and you would also be more leery. You'd, you'd be more observant of, uh, some negative motivations, but if they, if they prime you with kindness, you are temporary blinded you're you're temporary blind to any negative grift motivations that they you know they they don't want you to see so it sounds like a nice thing but it's a very slimy and sinister and you know devious thing so if somebody's ever trying to hand out things you know for free to be all nice and friendly and kind you know you should probably definitely look at them with a leery eye and in fact you should probably run away when you see that Right, but human nature being the way it is, and this is what they're using. They're manipulating your human nature. They're, they're manipulating your kindness. So that is one of the most devious ways of manipulation. I think there is to, to uh, manipulate people based on them being nice. Moving on, there's affective priming, which is uh, also called affect priming, which, of course, we talked about earlier. This is, you know, emotional affect, emotion, not effect, affect. Generally, the manipulator shoots for positive or negative um, feelings in the target as opposed to weak or strong arousal. Now, we're not talking sexually. We're just talking arousal as in, you know, do you have strong feelings or weak feelings? So either either you do feel strongly about it or you don't really, you're apathetic about it. So that's the weak or strong. They don't really shoot for those type they shoot more for the positive or negative so they they and they're gunning for strong feelings so they don't care about weak they are shooting for strong but they're shooting for strong positive or strong negative whichever they they want you to to be exposed to and what's spooky about uh, effective affective priming is that the it appears to be stronger when the the prime barely enters the target's conscious awareness so the target is feeling things that they aren't thinking about and they, and they aren't thinking about why they're feeling those things. And this is actually the most powerful way of using it, which is even more spooky. So effective priming is about trying to get the target to feel positive about something or negative about something. And it's most effective when the prime they're with how they're priming you barely enters your consciousness, your, your conscious awareness. So this is a pretty sinister one to watch out for. 
And then there's cultural priming. You know, it's based on the idea that Western society is based around the individual and Eastern societies are based around the collective. And primes like we and us are used to promote collectivism, whereas primes like I and me are used to promote individuality. And there are, I read some spooky stuff on this. There are studies uh, and a dark hole that I don't really feel like going down into because it's so negative. But it's, uh, I'll give you a brief overview, I guess, where these studies, and, and these studies are trying to get people to be, to think in terms of collectives. It's not how they think in terms of collectives. It's they're trying to get them to think in terms of collectives. And then what happens is that the, one of the ill effects of people being in collectives is they naturally fall into groupthink. And these the studies are trying to stop people from being too groupthink. They want, because they're not creative, because then they just all hail the leader, right? They're, they're mindless zombies because they're part of a collective. They're not individuals. And so they're being told how to think. So now they're not thinking. They're just letting the collective think for them. This is how we're supposed to think about that. So this is how I think about it, right? So, and the problem with that is they're not creative. As they're nowhere near as creative as their individual counterparts. And so this is probably one of the reasons why Western culture has been so successful and innovative because individuals are always coming up with new uh, creative solutions to problems. Whereas in the communist systems, they're, they're not so much. I mean, they do come up, obviously, the Russian, the Soviet space program, but I think a lot of this technology was just stolen. You know, of course, you know, they had a lot of leading edge stuff in the early space. You know, it's because they just, you know, threw money at stuff. But I mean, when it comes to creative solutions, it collapsed. There, there wasn't enough creative solutions to keep the the the, uh, the regime running. Anyways, they uh, they found that one of the ways to try to get, they, they found to get their, their targets to be more creative than their zombie counterparts was to promote the punk attitude in their collective. And when you start reading this stuff, it's a cookbook of how to create and control groups like Antifa. It is like, holy cow. When you read this and you see what's, what happened in 2020 with all the the riots and the looting and the fires and the, and the burning and the murders, you know, done by, you know, Antifa and, and Black Lives Matters in the name of, you know, uh, you know, social justice, it's, it's, it's right there. It's in, it's in black and white. Maybe we'll dig more into this in another podcast, but, uh, there are, there are other types of priming, but I'm pretty much convinced that they're all ineffectual bullshit. <laughs> so there may be some valid ones that I missed and there may be some new clandestine ones that are being developed that, you know, we don't know of yet. That's not publicly available. And if uh, those come up, maybe we'll do some more videos on that. But, uh, I think this is sufficient for priming. For now, I give you some things to read upon. There's this is a major. This is you should definitely look into priming. That's <laughs> you don't really hear too much about it, but anyways, I'm done. Thank you.